Hi, my name is Evelyn Peterson, and this episode is about the Radium Girls. It was Thursday, February 10th, 1938. Catherine Donahue, Marie Rossiter, Charlotte Purcell, and others were in the courthouse in Chicago. Press and curious citizens filled the public seats. Catherine wore a black dress with white polka dots, her best dress. She worried that it was looser than when she had worn it in July. Around her wrist was a silver watch. The trial started. Catherine was called up for her statement. She talked about the radium dial, told about how the company had withheld her medical records. And then Grossman asked a doctor, also there, about the effects results from Catherine's medical exam a few days prior. With a glance at Catherine, the doctor told the court that his exam had confirmed that Catherine's condition was fatal, permanent. Catherine shuddered, and then she just collapsed. She had believed that she could recover. She had had faith. She had prayed. And she was now being told, in her public trial, that she was going to die someday soon. And all because of her job at the Radium Dial. In 1922, Radium Dial opened in Ottawa, Illinois. It recruited local girls to paint watch dials with radium paint, a paint that made things glow in the dark. When you painted the hands and numbers of clocks or watches with this paint, it made them glow at night, a very handy function if you wanted to tell time at, during the dark hours. This came around at the time when America and the world was radium crazy. Radium was believed to be good for healing, able to cure cancer and things like that. This made it very admirable for the well-to-do to want some. In the early 1900s, an entire musical piece was written called The Radium Dance. They had radium soap and radium bread, radium space heaters, and radium butter. Everything was radium. The only problem was that radium was expensive. You simply couldn't afford it, even if you wanted some, when you were poor. Radium dial provided poor girls with access to radium. That was part of the appeal. The other appeal was money. Women who went to work at Radium Dial were Peg Looney, Catherine Wolfe, Murray Becker, Charlotte Nevins, and Pearl Payne. Many of these girls were from large, poor families. They were all friends with each other. In several years, for many after they had moved on from dial painting, they would be bridesmaids in each other's weddings. Before they got married, when they were still working at Radium Dial, the girls would go through the same routine every single day. Arrive at work, put away coats and purses, then head to the workroom. Once you were in the workroom, you'd get your tray of dials and paint. Then you'd begin painting the dials using the lip-dip paint routine to paint them. To do this, you would get radium on your paintbrush and run it between your lips to create a fine point. They would do this for dozens, perhaps hundreds, of dials a day. And then you would go home. In 1928, the Radium Girls of Ottawa found out about the Girls of Orange, New Jersey. They were dial painters who sued their employers, USRC, for poisoning with radium. They asked officials at Radium Dial about it. In response, the company published a one-page ad in the newspaper saying that the girls were perfectly healthy. It was a lie. Years passed. The woman married, had children. They started to notice that something was wrong. For Catherine Wolfe, now Mrs. Donahue, her hip began to lose the ability to bend. Within a few years, she wouldn't be able to kneel or sit much at all. Charlotte Nevins Purcell had a tingling feeling in her left arm. In the early 1930s, she had to have it amputated. In 1934, the woman banded together to hire a lawyer, Mr. J. Cook, to fight against the radium dial. The lawsuit ended early because the woman couldn't afford to pay the lawyer any longer. 
In that lawsuit against Radium Dow, the company tried to say that Radium was a poison because it was not part of the law. It was a position that they would hypocritically change in the future. In 1937, Catherine Donahue was plainly dying. She was sick. She could hardly walk. And all of this was because of Radium. Catherine was still a young woman. She'd been married only six years. She had two children below the age of five. With several of her children, friends who were facing, feeling the effects of radium, Charlotte Purcell, Mary Rossiter, Inez Vallett, Frances O'Connor, and Mar- Margaret Glinsky, and Pearl Payne, they filed a lawsuit again against radium data. They then found a lawyer, Mr. Leonard Grossman. With his help, they were able to go to court on February 10, 1938. After Catherine's collapse, they resumed the trial from her bedside. There were ups and downs. Radium Dow refused to say that radium was harmful. They reversed their argument from before and said that radium was not a poison. They prolonged the trial, knowing that with each day the woman became weaker and more likely to die. Eventually, in 1938, the trial ended. Catherine was dead. The woman had been pioneers on the way to workers' rights. Without them, thousands would have died from radium poisoning, including those in the Manhattan Project. Many of the radium girls died young. Those who lived to old age had probably only worked at the factory for a week, maybe a month. They still felt the radium for their entire lives.